0: Welcome to the Western North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, we somehow squeezed in a couple, a couple games since last we spoke, and uh, I like it. I feel good. I'm feeling happy. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good pretty happy. It's nice uh <laughs> it's definitely nice to have that uh, Newcastle result coming into this podcast as opposed to just having to talk about the uh the uh, uh, Palace game.
0: Yeah, there there wouldn't be too much to talk about if it was just that game. Um so but really we we have so much to talk about this week that we couldn't even fit it all in and we got a ton of questions from everybody. So let's not waste any more time. Tim, tell me what you're drinking.
1: Uh, well, I'm drinking kind of a classic. It's the Colson uh, Kitten, Middens, which is just fun to say. It's a winter ale from Colson uh, Brewing. You can usually get it, I think, in Seattle or pretty much anywhere. They're pretty widely distributed. I love it. It's a great winter beer. It's a, you know a little higher on the uh, alcohol content, but like perfect for a dark winter's day.
0: And when you just want to get drunk. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm drinking. Um something I have not even taken a sip of yet. This is the uh, Elysian Snail Bones IPA. And it clocks in... I was just trying to see what it was. 8.5%. 8, 8. So it's a yeah. solid one. Let me see here. My live taste testing here. <laughs> um, it's good. You know, it's a it's... For being as strong as it is, it's kind of got um, a little bit of those fruit notes that you might find in a, a hazy IPA, but I'm not sure that it is one of those. It's I'm drinking it from the can, so I can't really tell what it looks like, but um, yeah, it's pretty good. I like it.
1: Yeah, if I recall correctly, it's not a hazy. It's just kind of a, a normal IPA. that I know Legion's released a bunch of different IPAs now, and Snailbones is definitely one of my favorites that they've done in the last couple of years
0: yeah I can't really keep track anymore same with um gosh, what was it um I was looking at some of the Fremont ones and there was a couple I hadn't tried yet and I was just like when 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 is this happening I must be in my house too much lately I'm <laughs> I'm clearly not keeping up with all the beer
1: yeah I mean I'm at that point where where if it's not on in cans, I'm probably not drinking it, which is weird because I used to have a a pretty good call on what was being brewed and all that
0: mm-hmm yeah i used to dr- be able to try a lot more stuff um you know locally uh, on tap and yeah it's weird It's i can't remember the last time i had a beer on tap period
1: <laughs> i mean i get growlers from uh my local brewery so that's about as close as i get so
0: i guess i did go go grab a beer a couple months ago uh outside but it seems like a, a, two months seems like a year ago
1: A lifetime ago, I know.
0: (laughs) Well, I, you know, beer tastes good no matter where it comes from.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it it gets you where you're going.
0: That's right. All right, hit me with your question this week. What do you got?
1: Well, I think we can all agree the most interesting thing to happen out of that Palace game was uh, Arteta getting a little... uh, maybe forgetting that he wasn't a player anymore and tackling out, uh, <laughs> Townsend on the uh, the, the touchline there and kind of going for the ball when he probably should have waited a little bit longer for it to go out. And so it got me thinking, I would love to see Arteta playing again. And so I was wondering if you could change the rules to allow the manager to participate in the game, not just like as a player manager, but maybe at some limited level, like taking in throw-ins or I don't know, What what would you do? How would you change the rules?
0: I would say, um you know you you split the field in half and 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 uh, anything that goes out on that side in that half of the field you, you're going to have to battle like you're going to have to battle with the coach for the <laughs> ball, so if it goes out, its it's whoever jostles with the coach and, and comes comes up with the ball. And so each coach has an opportunity to win the ball back for his team.
1: I love that idea. You know, and would you, would the handball be in effect or is it, it, is it like more like rugby
0: style? Um, It's, it's still soccer rules, except there's no fouls. So no holds (laughs) barred. Um, You know, you're going to have to get rough with the coach. If you're, if you're going to win this, this battle.
1: And that's, a, you know, like Arteta, I think, would do pretty well in that. I'd be, I'd be worried for, you know, some of the, the older coaches uh, in that case. They, they might have a little bit more trouble <laughs> dealing with that.
0: Yes, it's going to usher in a new era of younger coaches. Um, bigger coaches, uh, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a more physical coach than we've ever seen. And uh, it's going to be a whole new dynamic to the game.
1: Now, is it just the manager that can get involved or can the assistants, is it like an all-out brawl on the sideline?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think we'll just keep it to the coaches so it doesn't get too crazy because you're, you're also, no, you know what? Actually, any player who's up warming up can also be involved.
1: Awesome. So if they have the bib on, they can get involved.
0: Yep. Yep. I think that they, they're already going to be in the game or you know they're getting warmed up why not give them a little something extra to get them get them ready
1: yeah get get their blood pumping a m-
0: bit more yeah i'm into this idea
1: all right yeah let's uh, go contact fifa <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it, that reminded me um it, my my backup idea was that it sounds like they're actually going to start um implementing a at least one or two uh concussion subs and oh, that's, really? that's coming up pretty soon. So, um, my, my backup thought was that the coach could be one of the concussion subs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Again, I think we'd be fine with an Arteta coming in as a concussion sub palace might not want to, but
0: <laughs> their are yeah. come in, but... I think you'd see more situations like Wayne Rooney, just going from, from the field to the coaching, um, uh, coaching staff like it, it would be like a, a, a lot of straight transitions there or a lot of a lot more player coaches
1: yeah yeah you'd have it would almost be like a specialized role then
0: yes maybe maybe your coaching staff is just like the brains of the operation and then your your actual coach is is just the the brawn he's he's the guy that just enforces on the sidelines <laughs> yeah
1: it, 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 there'd be a point where it'd be hard to delineate what a coach is then so sort of mm.
0: it's a blur it's a blurry line as it is. Who yeah. knows? E- each coach is his own own thing. Some some of them are managers, some of them are just coaches. You you just never know from club to club what their role's gonna be.
1: And to be honest, it probably makes more sense than the handball rule does right now. So
0: <laughs> I think we need to come up with an alternative set of rules all around. Um just because we're, you know, it's all bets are off. Everything's crazy now.
1: Yeah. sounds good. (laughs) I'll go with it.
0: All right. Well, we've got so much to talk about. Um, Let's, let's touch on that crystal palace game because I don't think we can just gloss right over it, but there isn't a ton to point to as far as um, positives or negatives. It was, it was pretty, pretty flat in my mind, but uh, the, um, the big concern in that game was that uh, Tierney was not available to play. And I think that was a big red flag when the lineup came out for that game.
1: Yeah. Um, and, sorry.
0: All I was going to say is how did you feel when you saw that, that lineup and Tierney wasn't involved?
1: The funny thing is when I saw the lineup, I was kind of okay with it in the fact that, I, I, as we've discussed before, the, the poor kid needs a break. He definitely mm. has been playing a lot of games. And I think against Palace, if you can't uh, do some rotation against Palace, who who can you do rotation against, really? Mm-hmm. Um, I think as the game went on, it became more and more apparent uh, that uh, Maitland-Niles is definitely not <laughs> the same player as a Tyranny, and, or in that position, at, the, at least. And it felt kind of like it really just distorted the whole team not to have tyranny on that side, which is, I think, a worrying, worrying, uh, trend.
0: Yeah, a little bit. And we, you know, we didn't have, um, Marie, he was out with a, uh, another sort of calf tightness or leg muscle tightness, um, similar to what they were saying. tyranny was experiencing. Um, so Louise comes in, still haven't seen Gabrielle come back from his, uh, COVID stint. So I'm not sure what's going on with that, but, um, so you've got Maitland Niles and Louise playing on that, uh, left hand side of the, de- of the defensive line there. And yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Uh, they held it down, but man, yeah, Maitland Niles, he just had a rough day at the office. It was not, um, I would say it's not, it wasn't very co- cohesive in that first 20 minutes. He just kind of looked out of, out of sorts. He, had one pass that went back towards Leno and came in a little too hot. And it was just, uh, just kind of indicative of where, where things were going for him. I I do think he played better later into the game, but he never quite brought the level of offense that Tierney does. And I will chalk that up to Rust and not, not having that um, left-hand side experience. You know, he's that's not his usual spot, but he filled in fine overall. Came out in the sixty-fifth minute uh, for Pepe, and really, it was just uh, not not the best performance by anybody on the field. Honestly, it just kind of didn't come together, and that's most I can really say about it because it wasn't wasn't uh, much to highlight.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a vintage game by any stretch. I thought, kind of, uh, as I, I like to try and pull out the positives, I thought you could see that Aubameyang, I he had a little bit more swagger than I felt like he's had in the last couple games, not including <laughs> the next game. But uh, he just he did, he looked up for it, and that was encouraging to me, and I think it did show in the Newcastle game. And the other was, I thought Xhaka had a pretty good game, I thought he was definitely our defensive player. I think he was definitely covering for a lot of misplays, including uh, Emil Smith Rowe missing a couple passes and Jacques coming back and really covering for Maitland Niles occasionally in Soccer as well. So I thought that was positive. But as, other than that, I, it was not not a vintage game, not something I want to go back and rewatch again.
0: Yeah. The, Jaka had simultaneously a great game and a bad game in my mind like he, he defensively he was fantastic and I, I, honestly he was probably our best player overall um but he's he let a few stray passes go and had to kind of go to ground to recover balls that he misplaced so i that that jumped out at me as like he had two or three where he had to go to ground and kind of have uh you know, drastic recovery to to make up for some bad passes. So as much as he was covering for other people, he was also kind of covering for his own mistakes as well. And I think that was just the, the way things were playing out for Arsenal uh, against Crystal Palace. So it, nobody was really at fault, but nobody really stepped up either.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good good surmise. Uh, I mean, and just one last thing about Jocka in that game. It, it did feel like at least the passes were looking to go forward as opposed to ball coming to him dying or going backwards so mm-hmm. again i'm trying to pick out positives from a, a pile of crap but
0: <laughs> yeah i think the, the other positive was that we got to see party come back into the team um he got oh what third 20 30 minutes in that game to get get his legs back under him and and get a feel for for arsenal soccer again and uh it wasn't you know, wasn't a bad bad outing. Just hard to make an impact in that sort of game, really.
1: Yeah, and especially with that amount of time left, it's in in his position just getting getting back. I wasn't, you know, expecting him to change the game instantly, but it, you know, it, I think it allowed for him to be more confident in his performance against Newcastle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, do you want to do you want to skip ahead to that, or do you want to say anything else about Crystal Palace before we move on?
1: No, let's, let's move on. I think that game is, both our listeners and ourselves are happy to leave that game in the rearview mirror.
0: Okay, let's jump right into the Newcastle game because I think there's a lot more to talk about with that. And it, it, the, the headlines to me, uh, certainly Party coming back and starting and the continuing development of Emile Smith-Rowe and Sokka. And really, I think this, this was a top to bottom much better showing w- from this team. Um, I, I let, let me ask you a question. Do you do you think it's down to um, the the young players? Do you think it's um, it, in this game? Do you think it was down to party's influence, um, tyranny coming back in? Like, what what do you think was the the main piece that made this team click this week?
1: I think like, like anything is a, a bunch of different factors that come in. I think having tyranny as, uh, as we know uh, in the team definitely helps kind of not only solidify that area, but also give another offensive threat that uh, teams have to worry about. I think having party in the midfield is just a, a revelation. The, his uh, assist for the uh, the uh, Obama Yang goal is just it's just something to to be to marvel at. I, I love that uh, that pass that he made to Obama Yang, and uh, yeah, and I think also the, the young players, as we've seen throughout the last couple weeks, have definitely uh, started to step up and take on responsibility and to take on more of a creative role
0: yeah we got a question in this week um from Riley Johnson, and basically just asked how just how good was thomas party and I think the the short answer is he's very good there's <laughs> there's no two ways about it he's he's a step above a lot of the options we've had in the midfield and he just looks calm, cool, and collected when he's on the ball and seems to find ways to get get between um the other players in the ball. And he, he just kind of calmly figures out a way to regain possession, to distribute, to really just run that midfield. And I think that, yeah, that pass to Aubameyang was just smooth as they come. And really all he did was dribble into space, pick his head up and found found Aubameyang out there on the wing by himself, basically, or at least in a one-on-one situation, which is, ideal for Aubameyang and I think that's exactly the type of situation we need to take advantage of and really haven't been doing that enough um granted Newcastle is throwing a lot of their players forward to try to get into the game um but you know that you have to take what the other teams are giving you and they certainly gave us a lot of space to work with and uh, yeah I think that was exactly what you want from your, your midfield. And I, I, I wasn't so sure about the Xhaka, um party combination previously, but I felt like I saw what that could bring in this game. You have two players who are solid defensively, who provide uh, great coverage when uh, the outside backs bomb forward. And really can provide creative medium to long passes that, you know, bypass the defense. And I, I think that's exactly what you need. Um, there was a pass, and I don't know who it came from, but it might have been from Party. Um, and it caught uh, Emil Smith-Rowe in stride. And that kid, I swear, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players. He, he just, I, I don't know, he's got such a touch. And and he was able to just drag it forward and keep keep running, and if you have players who can pass as smoothly as party and even Jaka to a degree, um, and then players on the other end of that like Aubameyang and Emile Smith Rowe and Saka who can collect and just keep moving, wh- the days are bright ahead. I'm just really excited to see what more can come from this group as they start to gel together a little bit better and i think obameyang getting two goals in this game is a sign that that's it's happening it's all coming together
1: yeah and i think uh you know there there there's some caution to be said that it is only uh newcastle and you know we've been playing some teams that are on the lower half of the table but on the on the on the flip side you you have to be encouraged by the the fact that we've had a couple games now where we've scored a a fair uh, more than one goal, which is a nice <laughs> a nice uh, thing, and then also the the amount of clean sheets that we've been keeping throughout uh, has been encouraging. That it shows that you can you know take the handbrake off, as uh, Arteta said, and still play forward attacking soccer, and still keep a, a clean sheet. So. I think that was one of the more encouraging things to come out of this game.
0: Yeah, I, I just see so much um, development now that there's some um, solidity to the lineup, to the formation. I think going to a back four has been great now that we have uh, a solid midfield pairing in front of them to provide coverage. Like I said, that um, the back three setup was really to allow the outside backs to get forward without um, too much of a loss in defense. And now that you've got Partey and uh, Xhaka who slide over so easily uh, to provide that coverage, it just looks so much more um, defensively solid. And then, it, yeah, it just allows Tierney to be more dangerous and in this game, I was really surprised at how great Cedric played. What was what was your impression? Well, let me ask you: How did you feel about Cedric before this game, and and, and did, he, did he change your mind at all?
1: I mean, I didn't have an extremely negative view of Cedric. I, the the few times I've seen him play, I think I've impressed isn't necessarily a word I would use, but I haven't been disappointed. I guess would be the the uh, how I would say. And I thought he I thought he played great and. I think it, it it it's it's nice to have options on that side of the field and in that position that it, it, the all the burden doesn't come directly on Bellerin.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: the way he played again and granted again it is Newcastle so we should, you know, <laughs> temper expectations a little bit or or or, or put it into context. But uh, I think the way he played against Newcastle was as good as bell has been playing.
0: Yeah. I think we'll talk a little bit more about Cedric later in the, in the, um, in the episode here, but uh, yeah, I felt like he, he, he was better than I expected and really uh, played well with Saka and his, his cutback to set up Obama Yang's second goal was really just perfect. I mean, I, 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 you can't really set them up much better. And it's funny. I, I think we've talked about it before. Is that the you know that used to be the bread and butter for this team when Emery was in charge. They were always trying to set that sort of play up, and we really haven't seen a ton of it lately. So it was actually kind of nice to see a player drive to the the end line and and do that sort of cutback. And he really got into a dangerous position because it wasn't just like a an aimless. Sort of um, cross to, to to nut to a to a space. It was he was able to drive towards the goalkeeper and commit him, and then by the time he was able to cut it back, there was nothing the de- de- defense could do about it. They just kind of stood there and watched as a ball being slotted at home. So it was it was nice to see that sort of simple play come back, and it's not like. This team couldn't have been doing it. It just hasn't been a point of emphasis or something that we've seen recently. So it was it was nice to see again.
1: Yeah, and 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 the more dimensions we can get as a team, it's especially going forward, the more kind of threats that we can give teams means that we're harder to play against. That you know, if they try and shut down one thing, we can kind of adjust and go to another way. You know, the the famous Plan B that used to get talked about all the time so it's just nice to have multiple facets in order to try and break down a team
0: yeah and it, the goal from um Saka uh, set up by Emile Smith-Rowe was very similar just on the other side and you know Emile Smith-Rowe's ability to uh collect the ball charge down the to the end line there and and take on a player one-on-one he's just really so much fun to watch I I look forward to seeing how he's going to develop in the, this second half of the season. And I, I saw something today that he's, he's probably going to get uh, a bump in, in um, his salary and, and a contract extension similar to Saka's. And that just makes me super happy to think about the, these two players um, committing to Arsenal long-term and, you know, that's not even including uh, a lot of the other young players like the, you know, Martinelli got a, got a, a little bit of time in this game, but he's still working his way back to full fitness um, and getting back into form. So there's other pieces to the puzzle that are going to come into play. And it's just, it's really exciting to watch. And the, um, the best is yet to come. I think, I think that it's, we're going to see this whole team kind of learn how to play with each other as we get a consistent um, lineup and a consistent formation and I think the things that Arteta has been able or been trying to instill in this team are are starting to come and come to fruition.
1: Yeah, and I think we've we spoke about it when we, especially during kind of the dark time of a Arsenal and their identity and what is Arsenal, what 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 makes Arsenal Arsenal? Why do we wake up at absurd hours in the morning to watch this team? And when you see Smithrow and. Uh, and soccer and the way they play together i just you can't see me this isn't a video of medium but i i just got a smile thinking about it because that that is the heart of arsenal and to have these kids hopefully locked up for a while and these 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 players that have played together since they were kids you know really start to to develop together and really shine is is it's something to be excited for
0: Yeah, I think there's a level of joy and a level of fearlessness that they bring to the team. And I want to see that from everybody. I think that's, those are things we should be aspiring to, to be, uh, as an Arsenal team. And so I, I hope that their, uh, their form rubs off. I think I've heard Lacazette say that he's, he feels pushed by these young kids and, and, um, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly what you want. Uh, and so I think like we look for, other players like Pepe to step up and, and you know, when, when the young guys are, are making it look easy, you gotta, you gotta step, step up your game a little bit. And that's, that's good for everybody on the field.
1: And you mentioned Lacazette Is that there? One of the interesting things is I was reading a uh, a piece and I'm sorry, I forgot where I read it. Um, so Sorry for the lack of footnote, but it was that a uh, Lacazette or Emil Smith Rowe was saying how influential Lacazette has been on the development into the first team, and how uh, how he's been really enjoying working with Lacazette, which you wouldn't necessarily think that uh, Lacazette, a kind of an older player that is kind of going towards the end of his career. And, you know, is, you know, French and, you know, has had his own trials this year and a player that's coming up and is kind of just starting to flower. You wouldn't think that that would necessarily be a connection, but it's, it's kind of heartening to see that it is.
0: Yeah. I think you have to look at those. Um, he, he, he has to understand that Emile Smith-Rowe playing, playing in behind him, he can only benefit when, when he's playing well, like Lacazette's going to, going to be directly benefited if, if somebody's able to take de- the defense away from him, give him space to work and able to set him up. So I think that the, he as as Emil Smith Rowe develops, that's going to directly benefit um, our strikers.
1: No, definitely. And you can see it. I, I think the, the team is starting to feel very getting that kind of swagger back that, that winning mentality that only really comes from, from winning games, you know, and, as you get more of that, I think the the players, including Obama Yang and some of these players that have uh, had some struggles to start the year, are going to pick their heads up. I think.
0: I hope so. I think that you know, there is guys like William who have yet to show their best on this team, um, and so I feel like William Pepe, um, maybe some other other players like Nelson. Once he's um, healthy and back in the team or, you know, these guys can benefit from the the type of fluidity that's that's happening in the front uh, front four. So we'll see if if other players are able to just slot in and and benefit from what the team is doing and and the defensive stability behind them.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think. With William and Pepe specifically, they have to start worrying about how much opportunities they're having, I mean, much more opportunities they're going to get to shine because at this point, they're definitely down on the pecking order. And I can't imagine an argument that you'd start either of them over, you know, a, a soccer or a Smith Rowe right now for anything other than rotation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Well, Uh, anything else you want to say more about that Newcastle game that jumped out at you?
1: Just that it's so nice to enjoy watching soccer again. It was the the, the entire game from start, even when we weren't scoring in the first half, it was enjoyable to watch. And, you know, after suffering so long for these games where you wake up in the morning and, you know, you're still kind of blinking heavily and you're, you're drinking caffeine to wake up to have a game where or have the, a team that's just excited. Like I was literally excited to wake up and watch this team and I can't wait till the next game, which has been a while.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the next game, we've got, um, Southampton coming up in the FA cup fourth round. And, uh, right after that, we have Southampton again on Tuesday. So Saturday, Tuesday, Southampton double header. I'm, I'm, not super concerned about Southampton by any means. Um,
1: um I, they, I would I would put a caveat on that, that they have been having a great year this year. They were, you know, top of the table for a little bit. They are definitely a, a trickier prospect than in, in Newcastle.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at their run of form and I think Arsenal's on the ascendancy, and I'm not so sure about Southampton at the moment. And I it, I think they're they're at crossroads. You know, like if I'm not saying they're going to be pushovers, I'm just say, thinking that Arsenal's run a form. They're not going to be the challenge that I would have said they would have been maybe a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, they're above us in the standings. So that's, it's a, to me, we have to at least beat them in the league. I, the jury's out to me as far as how far we want to go in FA Cup. I do think like on one, it's very important that we have a path to European football for next season. And uh, if it's not going to come from our league position, then I think we have to keep that option open as far as the FA Cup win again. And that's not easy, but uh, yeah. I, I do you think we can win both these games in short in short uh, turnaround here?
1: I think they're definitely both winnable games. Uh, I think as I said, I, I wouldn't just completely look past uh, Southampton. I also think that uh, Walcott is gonna score against us just because that's how <laughs> the
0: world works. How it works uh, yeah.
1: And uh and I think ha- Hassan Hasem their their manager, I love saying his name, uh I think he, he's a pretty interesting manager and i think he's also a lesson in clubs being patient with their manager Mm -hmm. that uh last year there before the lockdown i believe Uh, yes it was before the lockdown because i don't know anyway and they lost nine nothing to uh to liverpool and were swirling at the bottom of the table and a lot of people were were after Hasan hudl's head but he was able to stabilize the team that year, and then come out this year firing out of the gates and just be involved in things. So i I'm ex- I, I, I think that there's a lesson there to be seen for us to remember when you know we have draws against Crystal Palace or even lower uh, games to to remember patience often pays forth. As far as the the FA Cup, I'm I'm less off of it than I was a couple weeks ago. I think a couple of weeks ago my, my main, main thing was just to get stable in the league. And at this point I feel really stable in the league. So I would I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of a cup run. It would be fun fun to do it. I don't I think it's definitely lower in the priorities, but I think it's a priority we can can do. Playing a team twice in a row is always tricky though, that they, they get to see what you have and can kind of adjust. So it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I the last time we played Southampton was the game where Gabriel had the red card. Um so it'll I I'm sure we will see him starting in one or both of these games. Um so it'll be a bit of a uh revenge tour. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I feel I feel pretty confident that we can um you know, there's definitely gonna be some rotation because we've got you know pretty pretty quick turnaround between Saturday and Tuesday. so I, I it it'll be interesting to see the the different lineups for both teams and who's taking which competition more seriously.
1: yeah, I mean, I actually wouldn't be surprised if uh, Southampton puts a pretty strong team in just because I think uh, they're realists as well as i don't I don't think they have ambitions for the the Champions League spaces right now and especially because it's just such a cluster right now and there's a lot of teams fighting tooth and nail for those uh spots uh mm-hmm. so this might be their best route into europe and their best uh route for some silverware so it'll be interesting you know the plane back-to-back is i don't know almost like a, a old-school uh cup tie <laughs> type of situation
0: right yeah um getting you know, looking at the the league table right now, Arsenal sit in tenth place at twenty seven points. Uh, Southampton sits in ninth at twenty nine. So that that game on Tuesday is definitely going to be a a big one. Um, considering, uh, you know, we could leapfrog the team. Although Southampton will will have a game in hand um, after that, it's real funky this year with uh, you know the the varying. Um, scheduling issues and covid issues there's you know villas only played 15 games um there's quite a few teams on 17 games and then there's a handful on 19 games right now so it's all over the place so it's really hard to uh directly compare everybody but uh you know as things shake out i I imagine uh we're going to want to get every single point we can get and so dropping points against crystal palace was a bit different disappointing but um if we can just not lose, that's ideal. We gotta we brought, we just cannot be dropping three points.
1: And I, I know we've left Crystal Palace in the dust, but I, I will say that the one nice thing is that we did get points out of or a point out of that game. Because mm-hmm. that, that was the type of game I feel like earlier on the year or even towards the end of last year, just you know, would be zero zero and then something stupid would happen and they would score a goal, you
0: know? Right.
1: And so just having that one point is is at least a positive step forward in my mind
0: yeah absolutely well uh let's take a a little break here and when we come back we've got a bunch of questions from you guys so we're going to try to get to as many of them as we can and uh we will be right back with that We're back from the break, and we've got a load of questions from you. So we're gonna we're gonna just hit as many as we can, and uh, some of this stuff we probably already talked about. Some of it brand new. So let's see what we got here. Um, from friend of the show and former guest uh, Chandran, uh, we've got what's making this uh, this same team, which started the season horrendously, gel together now. Is our COTA's, is Arteta's coaching ability finally showing up on the pitch? That's question one from him. So I, I, I would say, like to me, the the big change is actually having the personnel to switch to a back four. Um, you know, it's not really the team that we started this season with, as we've seen. Um, Gabriel's stepped into his own. We've seen we've got party in there now uh Emil Smith Rowe Saka on the right there 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 has been changes even though it seems like seems like mostly the same guys we've we've got we've gotten some things some tweaks in there and i really think this has looked like a very different team since that chelsea game so i the the gelling really has come from winning and that's um and then i think also just finding a formation and a lineup that works for this team um has allowed Arteta's other coaching to to really shine and I I I'm grateful that he's not like f- still trying to force um Willian into the lineup or Pepe or any of these guys um he's he's letting the the hot hand go here and that's that's what you have to do as a new coach is just kind of let the team lead you sometimes and so I I think they've um the, the winning helps this team gel and gives them confidence. And we're going to, we're going to continue to see that develop. Um, and so Arteta can actually focus on the positive things and not trying to dig his way out of a hole.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a good uh, way to put it is that uh, for the, f- basically the first year that <laughs> uh, Arteta, the f- first kind of full year that Arteta was in charge, he was more like doing a firefighting drill than he was being a coach. He was trying to put out all the fires that were left behind. And I, I, I think John's right that uh, we have to look at Arteta's coaching as being part of this too, that we're finally seeing the fruits of Arteta being at the helm for a while and his strategy. He called it, uh, it was two games ago or three games ago, you know, letting off the 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 handbrake on the team. And I think you're seeing the type of, soccer that Arteta wants to play but it also is uh, you you can't look past the influence of Saka and Emil Smith really coming into their own and getting the starts.
0: Yeah, I think so. And it, like I said, I think that or, you know kind of tying into that uh handbrake situation, the, the ability to go forward and play fluid um a more fluid game really depends on having stability in the back and I think he's got a pairing with uh holding and and Gabriel or you know Luis has been playing well there as well um he's got a, he's got center backs who he can rely on he's got Tyranny who's been a rock and I think you know people will uh cast doubts on on Bellerin but I think Having a, a pairing like Bellarin and Cedric, uh, I, I really don't think you can go wrong with either one of those guys. So I feel like it's been um, mm-hmm. nice to not have to worry about the back. And Leno, of course, has been outstanding as well. He's had some great stops in the last few games. So not having to worry about the the defense um, and getting the clean sheets and the confidence there just has really allowed the team to to press forward and and be creative. And now that you you can figure out that that midfield with party involved and in, you know Jaar or whoever you pair with him um, you can kind of start to tinker and figure out what works best there but I, I think party offers a lot as far as defensive coverage and and Jaka as well so I think that there's um there's more to be seen and more to to uh, develop with this team so it's exciting it's an exciting time to to be watching for sure. Uh, Let me jump to uh, his second question here because it was something we'd already been talking about um, a little bit uh, before this episode. And uh, he asks, what is your favorite Ozil memory? And uh, the news came out this week that um, Ozil is going to be moving to his uh, uh, new team in Turkey. Well, we assume that's happening. Um, There's been no official announcement yet. but. Uh, tons of smoke there, as far as goodbyes um, from mozilla and, and other players to him. As so, of the time of
1: recording, the uh, because Fibonacci is on the stock market, they had to announce officially that he signed. So it's it's official.
0: Oh, it is official. Yeah. Okay, but no official announcement from Arsenal yet, right?
1: Not that I saw before recording.
0: Okay, so he he's he's pretty much on his way out the door, and so we're he, You know, it's appropriate to talk about, uh, the Ozil legacy. And, uh, we don't have, we don't have to, d- we- we've talked about him so many times over the last, uh, year or year plus as, as things have, um, taken a turn. And, and I think it, it's good to remember what, what he brought to the team and what, what was good about him. So Tim, tell me what's your, what, what's your favorite memory from, from the Ozil era?
1: I am going to put a, a little bit of a, a word in about Azul. Just the the fact that we get caught up sometimes in these, you know, is a player good or is a bad, in a very binary kind of sense. And right now in my mind, now that it's kind of all over and officially done, it's, it sucks that it had to end the way it did, but I think I'm still going to remember him fondly And when it all is kind of said and done. I remember really our first, conversation about Arsenal before we did this podcast was about Ozil because he is one of your favorite players. Mm -hmm. And I, I I remember sitting in my previous job and I wasn't allowed to be on the internet. I was supposed to be selling people books and I would, when we were signing him, I was refreshing the guardian webpage over and over and got so excited when he signed him. So there, there, there is so much positive I think to, to take out of it. And I hope that we don't let this kind of last, year or so kind of sour our feelings about it because there's there and there's some difficulties with it but again always trying to strive for the positive so that's the long answer the short answer is i think back to 2015 against man united and it was just a a complete performance and it was that 2015 where he had sanchez on the on the team back when sanchez actually tried Mm -hmm. and just the 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 combination of those two players on that game, and just it was, it was kind of you saw everything that was great about Ozil and his passing, his scoring, where his positioning, the chemistry, his unselfishness. It was it was just great, and I, I actually just rewatched the highlights again, and you know it made me smile. There, you, you can't deny that that was just one of the he was. So good.
0: Yeah, I really do think like peak Ozil for me was him paired with Sanchez. Like those at the at the time, that was I, I was really just enamored with what Sanchez brought to the team, and Ozil just seemed to unlock his best. But I, I, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about with the um these players that can have really high highs and low lows. That definitely described those two um, <laughs> when they clicked they it was great but they both had the tendency to um fade a bit or or be anonymous in some games um but you know when they were when when things were working they were just um difficult to beat like they just really took teams apart the um the memory that jumps out to me for ozil um was from 2016 uh, Europa League. I believe uh, uh, just the individual performance um, with him uh, against uh, Ludogratz. And, you know, he takes a pass, uh, chips the keeper, and then is able to also (laughs) dribble past two other players before scoring a goal. It's just an an amazing um, individual piece of skill and and just made them all, all three of those players look like fools. And I just love that. Uh, He just, on his day, he is one of the better players I've ever seen play. And it's sad the way things ended up. It really makes me sad that he didn't get to go out into plays of glory. Um, I, wish him the best. I want to see him get back to his, his best form that he can get to and, and go out, um, on his terms. And, uh, so I, am hopeful that that happens for him in his next, next team.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think he's obviously been having some issues in life and there's been some difficult things with not only Arsenal, but with the German national team and there's some, Interesting issues involved there. So I hope being in Turkey and playing for a, 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 a storied team that's fighting for the championship right now, that he finds a, a, a degree of happiness. I like. I, I, I do just wish him well, really.
0: Yes. So we'll 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 still be watching him even on his on his new team, and I think he's always going to be a gunner for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh a couple questions from our old buddy Josh Lee. Hi, Josh. Um, hey Josh. Hey buddy. <laughs> um so first one, how does Pepe fit into this current squad? That's I think that's a great question because as we were just saying, Sokka's kind of got that thing locked down and so William and Pepe are just on the outside looking in, as far as I can tell. Uh what do you think he has to do to get back into um this this team.
1: To answer the question in a very short answer, he doesn't fit into this team right now, I think. Uh, <laughs> but I, that's a little flippant. Uh, I think right now he's definitely rotational off the bench. And I think what needs to happen is he needs to earn his spot. He really is at a point now where he he's going to be getting minutes off the bench, minutes in Uh, you know, FA Cup. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him and against the Southampton, the FA Cup. And he just needs to show uh, something. I think he always does have the ability to be creative, which, you know, when we're talking about William or some other players, they don't necessarily have that same ability to be, have that spark. And if he starts showing that more, he can, I think there's a place for him rotationally. I think I, I love on paper the idea of a Pepe uh Lacazette Obama Yang top <laughs> attacking band. I think that that on paper could look very scary if he's at his what his promise, but it's it really right now is him being rotational and showing something.
0: Yeah, I kind of I, I, w- I would like to see if he would fit in anywhere else on the field. Like, I, you know, I, I know he's tried playing on the left a little bit. They've had him kind of cutting in more on the, uh, more centrally. I haven't seen any breakthroughs in, in his play when he's moved into different positions. So I don't know if he's going to like, outplay anybody else on this field right now. I think he's, um, like you said, he has to take advantage of the opportunities he, opportunities he gets and show that he can pl- work well with the players on the field. I think part of the problem with him um, is he, ju- he just tries to do too much alone. And you see the way these players are working together, and then you put Pepe in that, and then it's like he's just on an island. And it just doesn't work with how we're trying to play. So unless he can figure out how to play with the the other players on the team and really um, allow other people to unlock space for him to give him the one two pass, you know, whatever it may be that m- makes him a better player, uh, I, I don't think he he's doing well trying to go it alone. So I, I think the. The way he fits in is 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 a super sub that comes in and can be dangerous off the bench when we need goals. And if he comes in and just get, is anonymous, or um, you know is is turning the ball over, um, it just it's not what we need right now. And I think as far as what Arteta's is going to want from that position, if he's taking Saka off, or he, you know he needs to rotate. He's not necessarily not, not necessarily going to put on the player that's going to turn the ball over a lot. I think he's he would go to William to just have the ball security. Even if William doesn't put up numbers, uh, you, you you know if you just need somebody that's going to come in and, and give another player a rest, I think Pepe is big, looks more like a, a liability when you're comparing him to William. So, um, he, he's got to be so dangerous that you can't ignore him and keep him on the bench. And I don't, don't see him suddenly just becoming a major goal threat at, at the way that he's been playing. Yeah. So he's got, he's got a long ways to go.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I, you summed it up perfectly.
0: Do you, do you think they try to get rid of him?
1: I mean, obviously I think if the right offer comes in they're definitely he's not, I don't think he's a, uh, you know, integral to the team. And and the problem is, is is that price tag is just really going to follow him. I think it's going to be hard from a business perspective to just cut that much loose. And I don't think anyone's going to pay anywhere near the amount of money that we paid for him.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to recoup that cost. Yeah. I don't think they're going to
1: recoup that cost. So, I think the business side is just going to look at it and go like, we can't take a 50 million pound loss on this player. So, make him work. but, the, but
0: the, I mean, at some point you're going to take that loss, right? I mean, if you let him run his contract out or, you know, like, I think you just got to take what you can get.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if I, the, the other side of the coin is I don't, I just don't think there's a lot of buyers. I mean, you're looking at the transfer market right now and it is a quiet transfer market. There's people moving, but it's all for frees and loans. There's not, no one has money right now. So I just, mm. I think this is going to be a very, very quiet window. I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, people knocking our door down for a Pepe. I mean, why would you right. really buy him <laughs> at this point? Like,
0: all right, we got a second question from Josh here. Uh, what type of player partners best with party in the middle uh whether it's a current player or a new signing um and I, the current player i think I, you know i think jaka kind of convinced me this this last game that he can be he could be that guy um and, but it may come down to what you uh you know what your opponent's trying to do uh i think jaka does great defensively um and can really pick out a good pass uh but the you've got elmeni you've got Sabios, you've got um uh willick so there's there's some other options that can bring you either a bit more offense a bit more defense you know elmeni has played really well against party in the past um but leaves a little bit to be desired, I think overall. Ceballos, um, he's not long for this team, so I don't know how much you put in into him. Um, and Willick, I think that guy needs a loan. He's just not I, I, maybe maybe party would give him some freedom to bomb forward where he seems to be more um, effective making late runs. So I, you know, I, I, the jury's still out a little bit to me because we're just really getting to see P- party, um, hopefully in an extended run now and getting into form and getting, uh, experience with the players around him. So I, I don't know if I can make a definitive decision yet, but I don't feel like the, the position next to him is a position of need at this moment. Um, so I I don't know that that we need to run out and sign, sign somebody in this window by any means, um, but and yeah, they, there's um, I I don't know I, I I think we could we could get by with what we have for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean as far as the type of player, it's uh so party. Is uh, and I it's not a direct comparison, but he reminds me a lot of Ladero in the fact that he is a uh, enhancer, he's a what is it, a, a force enhancer, I believe, is how Ladero for the Sounders was described.
0: Mm-hmm. In that
1: it's not that he's going to be scoring a million goals or even making a million assists, but he's going to make everyone around him better, and I think that means that you can kind of slot in a couple different styles of players just depending on what you want you have party in there to be a platform and then if you want to be more offensive maybe you put a player that is more forward-thinking in there if you want to really short down the defense you can put a more defensive player so it's kind of like uh you know parties the the base of the of, of the midfield and you can adjust based on what you want out of the game uh, i i 100 agree with you that right now it's not a position of the the next the player next party is in party isn't our highest need. I'd I'd like to have another uh, left back that is can at least deputize for uh, tyranny before anything else at this point. So
0: yeah, and I, I'm I'm even wondering I th- the creative midfielder is the other spot that's been tossed around as a position of need and. With Emil Smith Rose emergence, I, I wonder how much of that, how much of a need that really is for the January window, and whether we can kick that can. Um, but you know, I if nothing's available, I think you wait until the summer anyway. But um, I think you know, we we definitely need a couple players that can fit that creative midfield role. But yeah, that defensive midfielder um, next to party is 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 not a high high need at the moment. All right, next question. Avi Epstein. Um kind of talking about uh another another position here where there's some some battling going on. Uh it was one performance, but does Cedric overtake Bellerin as the first choice right back now? He offered so much more yesterday. Can he be consistent enough? Um, or do we need to emphasize the need for a backup left back? Uh, oh, I guess that's kind of a, a separate question. Um, so let's let's tackle the uh, the right back situation first here. Um, we kind of t- touched on it a little bit earlier, but I thought Cedric had a fantastic game, um, better than I'd seen him play. Up until this point, I I, I think he'd had some um, glimmers of quality before, but hadn't really put together a complete game like this, and I thought this was probably his best performance uh, as an Arsenal player so far. But I, I don't know if that means Bellerin should be benched or, you know, I think that they should battle it out and, and you know, rotate and I'll let Arteta... Make the decision in the end, but I, I think we—it's great to have two players that are um, quality and, and can can provide different things. So I, I don't know if it's a either or. I think it's great to have a tough decision like that.
1: Yeah, and I think you hit the the nail on the head with that. I don't think it's necessarily an either or question. That just because we have uh, Cedric, who's who's kind of coming in and showing that he can depth or he can play the position as well. Um, I think we, there's enough games and there's enough minutes going around that i I'm not too worried about having two really good <laughs> right backs that can that can play the position i'd I'd personally prefer that for every position on the field, you know and with the games coming thick and fast it's it's going to be nice, and you know the thing too to remember is that you're always one injury away from a complete disaster if you don't have. Two, two players that can play the position. So, uh, does he take over? I don't. I don't. I don't know if if we have a first team kind of set in stone. I don't know if that's even kind of how modern soccer, unless you're Wolves. But I think a lot of teams look at it as a kind of a, a more fluid uh, kind of structure than just being you know like there's a starting or starter and a backup.
0: And I really think it it speaks more to the trouble that Ainsley Maitland-Niles is in uh, because we saw he struggled a little bit trying to take over uh, at that left left back position. Um, And it looks like he's got a couple players in front of him now in that right back position. So where does that leave him? I mean, he's, he's been kind of our uh, utility player that can uh, jump in where we need him, but it, it doesn't look like he has a clear position on this team currently with those two in front of him and his, preferred right back spot. And, uh, there's a lot of depth in the midfield and yeah, I, I think he's, he's going to have to deputize as a left back at the moment because that's a, the most, um, pressing need, but he's, he left a bit to be desired the other day. Um, so the, you know, the follow-up question here from, uh, uh, Avi is that, uh, uh, do we need to emphasize, uh, the need for a left back, um, but uh, he he thinks we mu- we must get a replacement, even short term, in January. Uh, do you agree with that? Like, do you think like Ainsley Maitland-Niles is okay if he gets more time in that position, or do you think we have to go out and get somebody? I
1: think we have to go out and get somebody. I I, I to me that is one of the biggest uh, needs. You know, I, I I I you know want to wrap tyranny in bubble wrap and I, I just making let him never get out of his apartment after a game and do all the cryotherapy we can because you know i think we're one injury away from disaster on that side of the pitch and i ainsley niles is an interesting case because he doesn't even want to play defense is he he sees himself as a midfielder and i remember last year two seasons ago maybe i just it's, it's hard to remember exactly <laughs> but he was uh complaining about getting the time as a right back because he saw himself as a, a midfielder and I can especially think that he probably really does not fancy being a left back even more than not being a right back. So I think I think it is a need that needs to get addressed. I mean, I wouldn't spend club record signing fees for a, a left back by any means, but just somebody that can just even deputize in a little way for tyranny would be awesome.
0: Yeah. I kind of think you want maybe somebody who's young and up and coming and you don't have to spend a big fee on, but has a lot of potential. And maybe that's somebody who's in the Academy or, um, you know, just kind of a, maybe a championship level signing or, um, just somebody who, uh, can push Tierney to a degree, but isn't a severe drop off if he does have to come in and then maybe Has has some potential. I'd like to see somebody that can come in and maybe do some of the same things that Tyranny does. It's it's going to be hard to replace him, but you know you don't want to have somebody necessarily with a completely different skill set when your team is so reliant on having somebody that can push up field. So I wouldn't want to have somebody that's really defensively minded. I would like to have somebody that kind of mirrors what Tyranny brings. So. That might not be so easy to go and find. Yeah. Um, okay, last question here. Uh, the, I'm going to butcher this name, and I apologize in advance. Uh, Mirateb Setegin? Setegin? Sorry. <laughs> I apologize to you. Uh, do you think we can keep this momentum throughout the end of the season? Um, what do you think, Tim?
1: Uh, I hope so. Uh, I think it's going to be naive to say that we're not going to lose
0: another game the rest of the
1: season. And I think it may be naive to think that we're not going to have another, a little bit of a rough patch. Hopefully nothing like what we saw earlier in the season. I, but I am very hopeful. I think I'm I'm the most hopeful I've been in quite some time about the direction this team is going. And, you know, winning does and success does beget more success. That's the the winning mentality. That idea, and people gain confidence and place better under on these streaks. So, I think it's a it's a possibility that we are going to move in a, a more positive direction as opposed to sinking back down the table.
0: I want to answer this question after the month of February because. <laughs> uh, if if you look uh beyond the the Southampton games here uh we we have a man united game we have wolves we have a villa we have leeds we have we we have our um home and away matches with benfica uh we have a man city in there and we have a Leicester who's sitting at the top of the table right now um all of that packed into the month of february except for that man united game at the end of this month but um really that is that's a that's the gauntlet right now um and we, we so we went from this a very winnable run of games to a very challenging run of games and i think the fact that we were able to turn our fortunes around in this winnable run is great for the confidence It's great to kind of get your feet under you and feel like you have a platform to build on um going into this next run but um, we cannot get our hopes set too high for this team until we see how they get through this. If they can take it to Man United, if they can hang in there with Man City, if they can um, beat a Villa, a Wolves, um, and have a great uh, Europa League uh, set of games, great. Yeah, I think we're going to keep this momentum and, and push through the end of the season. But this if this could get real rocky. There's going to be some losses in here. I, we're not. I, I don't expect to go through this this run of games and and feel super rosy every week like we have been. Um, so this mm-hmm. is the challenge. This is the test now to see if this is real, um, if this is something that's for now, or if we're still a year or two away. And I think we're going to know a lot more um, when we. Talk about this team in, in March.
1: I just wish that we could have played the uh, City game when they were kind of off the boil earlier in the season because they, City right now are really looking like they're uh, getting back to their, their evil being way too good way.
0: <laughs> so
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, we, we know, mentioned it coming in last year when we were kind of looking and, you know, we, we noted that January was the time when we needed to get all our points in the bank because this February is going to be brutal. it's just there's there's no way around it and so yeah i I, am i saying that that means we're gonna take a dip in form not necessarily it's just it's these are gonna be some hard-fought games and some really difficult points to get
0: I, i i'm hopeful i really do feel like we have the ability to hang with some of these teams but we're talking about teams that are in the um upper echelon of the league right now. And I'm not sure that Arsenal is there yet. Um, there's been games and you look at that Crystal Palace game and that was a very mid table sort of game. Um, so. It, you, you get you get a little bit of hope when you when you beat a Newcastle soundly as you should. Um, but the true test is how how much. Um, you know, even Southampton is going to be a test of of where we're at, um, just because they're kind of on equal footing at the moment. So if we can get a couple good games with that team and have some confidence going into Man United, um, that could be the springboard we need to get in, get through February, but nothing's going to be easy. And I think we have to take it all in stride and not get. Too, too excited with the wins and not to get too crazy with the losses because um it's it's probably going to be a bit of an up and down month for sure yeah but beyond that it's really it's let's let's ask if this momentum is sustainable um after this month because i think we have to really test this team now that we've found a um a platform to build on
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to put a pin in that question and definitely uh, cut and paste it for a future uh, episode to revisit, just because I think it'd be interesting to revisit his question after February and see where we feel then. Mm -hmm. So we'll get back to you, Mirotep.
0: All right. Um, Do you want to touch on fantasy at all?
1: Want is probably a strong word for (laughs) this, but I feel obligated to touch on the fantasy, which I had a historically horrible week. I realized fairly early on that it was a weird week with not every team was playing. I realized it far too late, and thus I got 17 points last round, which I think might be the lowest of any... any, team this year I'm gonna to have to do my research on that you got something around like 60 something points Caleb did you uh do a free hit or
0: no I I rode the crap hand I had and somehow ended up with a decent point points. and not really it's it's the the having De Bruyne as my captain has really saved me yeah but you know having a bombing back on on the on the boil is is helping me as well
1: that's true. I did drop a bombing a little while back uh yeah and that being said you actually leapfrogged me by four points caleb Woo!
0: so i'm not at the bottom anymore i, I feel guess. like I, I i'm a mid-table team now look yeah. at that
1: you're you're skyrocketing up it's a uh, pretty good you know we have the the same usual suspects up top um always with the caveat we're looking at you because you are playing Tottenham players and not saying we're judging you, but we're judging you.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, that would love, but yeah, we see you. So yeah, it's, it, it's it. but the, the league's still all up for grab. I think it's going to be a very interesting kind of end. This week is going to be crazy because there's going to be teams playing two games. It's kind of offsetting <laughs> last week. So there'll be some interesting point scores, I think.
0: Definitely well i'll I'll continue to do as little as possible and see what happens.
1: <laughs> you're gonna bruise my ego when you finish like ten minutes ahead <laughs> of me not doing anything
0: yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll come back to that next week for now. I think we can wrap this this up. It's been a it felt like a very long episode, but uh we packed a lot in and uh I think we can call call it a good one. Thank you for sticking with us if you're still listening. We, we appreciate you um, getting through the majority of this episode. Uh, if you want to join in like all these other lovely people um, who sent in their questions, uh, go ahead and do that to our email address, which is westofnorthlondon at gmail.com or uh, Twitter's another great place to do it. We are at W of N London. Go ahead and send us your questions there as well. Uh, you can also follow us for um, you know updates when we release a new episode or live tweet a game so that's a great place to, to keep up with us there uh, if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet please go out and do so, that would be fantastic uh, the other thing you can do to help us out go leave a review wherever you pick up your podcast from, uh, whether that be Apple, Stitcher Google, wherever it may be go tell other people how much you enjoy listening to our podcast and that would be a huge help in getting the word out there and because there's if you haven't noticed there's a ton of soccer podcasts in the, and the and a ton of arsenal podcasts and so it's hard to break through unless you help us do that the other thing i want to bring up is that awesome theme song that we have from bobcat if you like what you hear there go check them out it's bobc.at that's their website it spells out bobcat it's pretty clever uh sure they've got some uh awesome music for you to check out on their site like their newest album no course to follow you can check it all out right there i think that is it for us and uh th- i'd like to thank tim for joining me for another great podcast and That's it's a pleasure yeah you know i c- couldn't do it without you <laughs> same time. All right. Well, as always, see you at
1: the next gun show.